Welcome, welcome to The Sharp Way with Larry Sharp. Another awesome Monday evening, 8 to 10 Eastern time, and you have to stay all two hours. It's the rules. Yes, I'm so lucky and so happy that I have with me in studio tonight the man himself, podcaster, MC, entrepreneur, former Marine, Jason Stapleton. Hey, thanks, man. I'm so happy that you are here this evening. I am happy to be here. Yes, and we have several things in common. Um, Marine. Yep. Semper Fi. Mm-hmm. Uh, entrepreneurs. Yep. Um, and MCs. UMC Freedom Fest. Yeah, I did. What Absolutely. Did you, what did you MC? I am. I usually MC libertarian stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah, all, right. all yeah, the time. Yes. Yes. <laughs> nice. Fundraisers, stuff like that, all the time. Yes, yeah. Free, Freedom thing. Fest was amazing. I, I, I was, I was really impressed. I thought I was. I almost didn't do it because really? I thought, Why? yeah. Oh, I thought it was. It was. It was too conservative of mm-hmm. a group for me to go to. It is right leaning libertarians. It's but true. It, yep. it was nice because this year there was more libertarian stuff than I I had ever seen, and mm-hmm. I, I would say that it was probably sixty to seventy percent libertarian. And they really tried to play down the hardcore like right wing conservative, and and it was. Uh, yeah, it was great. I had a great time. The, the yeah. people who run it are fantastic people. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely yes. fantastic. I try to go all the time. In fact, when I when I ran for, for governor, I started my campaign in 2017. Mm-hmm. My first big event was Freedom Fest. Yeah. My first okay, one. Yeah. I got a booth there. met a bunch of people there. That was actually my first yep. one. I loved it. But you are into entrepreneurism. I am. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. That is like a, <laughs> a big part of who you are and a big thing you talk about now. Yeah. And I've talked about something similar, right? I was talking um, several weeks ago. Those of you who paid attention to the show know I, when I talk about things like race and poverty, I will often bring up the idea of an ownership culture, right? Right now, I think there are a lot of people who are kind of in almost like a renter mentality, right? Everything is. I'm not concerned about owning it. I'm just concerned about can I make the monthly note this month? Right. That type of mindset. We see it with everything we do. We see it with leasing cars. We see it with uh, rental, with Netflix, right? We see it constantly. Can I make that? And when I sold cars years ago, about 20 years ago, I saw even back then, I would have people come in and just care about what the monthly note was. Right. Not even caring what the interest rate was, not caring – not caring how much the car costs. Caring what – can I make the monthly note and that's it? Yeah. I mean you've got to think differently as, a, as an entrepreneur, right? Well, I, I think it even goes deeper than that. I, I think that it goes not, – not just do people have a renter's mentality, but they also have a mindset that I don't want to own it. I don't want to have responsibility yes. for it if it fails, but I want the upside if things go well. Mm. So you see a lot of people who now are coming in and saying, well, I deserve more. I want more because you make so much more than me, mm-hmm. and so, so therefore I deserve a bigger piece of the pie. And it's like, no, you don't. You didn't take any risk to take the job. You don't, you know, you you don't risk if it fails. You're not on the hook. Mm-hmm. You know, you didn't invest. You simply show up and trade your time for dollars. And so, not only should I, I've always said that the most important thing you can do for for your future, for your family, is to control the means of uh, uh, control the source of your income. Excuse mm-hmm. me. Sure. And so that involves some level of entrepreneurship. It involves mm-hmm. you. It, sometimes it might be a sales rep. So I work for a company. I've learned a skill, and I go out and I'm responsible for eating what I kill. Sure. In mm-hmm. a way. 
And um, so there's, I, I, I break it down into two different groups, entrepreneurship and entrepreneurship. Okay. So entrepreneurs being people who work inside companies, but who are largely um, self-sufficient. Sure. So they either run divisions where they're responsible for making sure their division is profitable, or they work in sales where they're responsible for uh, for making making their nut and, and actually right. uh, accomplishing their monthly goals, or entrepreneurship where they own it all. But regardless of where you are, I want to see people moving towards owning the fruits of their labor, controlling the source but of their income. But schools don't teach this at all. Schools no. teach get educated, educated, educated so that you will be valuable to some organization so they will pay you a good salary and swap you know, your labor for your dollars, right? Yeah, except that doesn't happen anymore. We, mm -hmm. we don't see that in society. What we see are guys racking up $100,000 uh, debt in, sure. in, at college and then getting out and getting $30,000, $40,000 a year jobs. Again and again and again. And then they look, they, they, they look to... They look to society, they look to government, they look to, to, to the companies themselves as having failed them. They were lied to. Yep. The American dream is dead. Yep. When in fact, the American dream was nothing more than, look, you have a right to come here and have the opportunities to succeed. You don't have a right to succeed. You have an opportunity. Everybody should have that chance. But isn't there a kid now, right? This is my, my argument with a millennial, with the millennial uh, people who bash millennials all the time, right? If you're a millennial, you're, if you're 30 years old now, 28, 29, insert thing here. You literally have – you've been told that you are awesome because you were born. Right. You have a closet filled with participation trophies, right? Yep. And you were told, go to college, get this degree, and when you're done, there will be an awesome job just waiting for you as soon as you get out. Then you got out in 2010, 12, 14. Nothing was there. Most of your friends and family don't own anything. You don't own much. There isn't much there for you. You do believe you were lied to, and then what do you? What looks good to you all of a sudden? Socialism does. That's because right. socialism is is not me being greedy. Socialism is 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 me getting back what you know. You lied to me. You, I'm only getting what's mine. You obviously stolen it. Right. That's not lazy. That's in their mind fair. And and in a way, they're right. They have been lied to. Mm -hmm. they, they they've had a lifetime of people telling them that they're special. That they that they they've not learned to deal with failure. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know as well as I do in in life, and especially in entrepreneurship, if you are not willing to stop and can't stomach failure, you're never going to be successful because yep. we we fail our way forward. Absolutely right. And, and yep. so these kids have never had to deal with coming home as the last team on the baseball uh, in the baseball. Um, geez, what's the what's the term? Um, in the baseball league, mm -hmm. having finished dead last, receiving nothing, Rest. going down with your head uh, hung low, and then having mom and dad teach that lesson right. that look, this is what happens. So sometimes you fail. Well, you've so, heard the difference now. There used to be helicopter parents, right? Right. Now there are bulldozer parents. Have you heard that before? No, I've bulldozer parents is are their parents who bulldoze all obstacles out of the way of their kids to make sure their kids have a wonderful and awesome life. Yeah. But to your point, then that kid never learns how to fail. So then all of a sudden now that kid's 18, 19, 20, 25, whatever, fails, they're devastated. Yep. I mean, it's got to be someone else's fault. They've never failed before.
Well, they, d- they don't have the emotional maturity and they don't have the resource. You haven't given them the tools to deal with mm-hmm. that, right? That, and that's the biggest problem is that if you don't give a kid the tools to, to deal with the emotion that they're feeling, then you get all kinds of the problems we have today, which is where, you know, people decide that they're going to go shoot up a school or, mm-hmm. or you decide that uh, that they're going to go and become a giga- gigantic a-hole online mm-hmm. and they're just going to bash other people. They, they don't know how to deal with regular, normal, emotional stuff. I was talking with a friend of mine. The other day, we uh, I just got Disney Plus, mm-hmm. and we're watching some of the shows, and some of them, uh, if you go and watch Pinocchio, for example, I mean, it's, it's hardcore. Some of the stuff you're like, man, kids used to watch this? This is, <laughs> yes. this is intense. <laughs> yes. There was a different mentality yeah. than there is today. We are a much softer culture than we once were. We, didn't ha- we don't have to deal with a lot of the pain and a lot of the struggle. I remember reading Andrew Carnegie's biography years mm-hmm. ago. And um, they just talked about some of the some of his friends whose whose children had died. I mean, it was not uncommon in the 1920s to have two of your four kids, two of your five kids die yep. in in childhood. Um, we that's or that's, your wife or mother, yeah, absolutely, or yeah. wife. And and we don't even deal with that anymore. That's such mm-hmm. a rare thing for us to deal with that it's not even something we really think about. It was an everyday occurrence yeah. back then, and. Um, mentally emotionally i don't i don't think we're as strong as we used to be as a people and and we just we exacerbate that by then coddling our children and not forcing them to deal with some of the basic emotional things that every kid should have to learn to deal with but if this is how our culture is moving now right assuming this is true right you just said earlier that we need to worry about entrepreneurship and entrepreneurship i agree how do we get the youth now that is not prepared for this to all of a sudden say, yeah, when in their head they're going, no, that's for guys like you, Jason. That's not for us. Yeah. Right? You're, what you're asking me to do is something I'm unprepared to do. And you know what? It's not fair that I should have to. I should be able to just get myself my job. Yeah. How do we turn that around? I, I, I work on – I work on parents. Mm-hmm. I work on adults who are in a frame of mind that they they want to be somewhere other than where they are. I have a general belief that everybody in their life is seeking increase, increase in some capacity, whether it be their wealth, their health, their their friendships. It, it doesn't matter. They they want an increase, a change in something. Now that means wherever they are today, they're mm-hmm. unhappy. And they want to move to a place where they are happy. And so what I try and do is speak to um, the, the principles that guide that change, which are you have to be willing to risk mm-hmm. and um, you have to shed this notion that uh, I'm afraid of failure because those two things will will not make you will not get you to where you want to be. You'll never lose weight if you are afraid of going on the diet and fear that it won't actually work, right? It, then, then it doesn't ever work because you never get started. And so as far as children go, you that has to start in- Well, I mean children. I would just go teens and young adults. I mean- I wouldn't even say children. Yeah, okay. So teens and young adults. Then, then it comes from explaining to them that they've been lied to. I think that's the most important thing is, is to front run- what they're being told. I've done that often. I think yeah. it does work. I agree with you completely. And, and yeah, yep. you, you just, you tell them, look, it's, you've been lied to. You think you're going to college and you're going to get out. You're going to get this great job. You're, it's not going to happen for you. And here's examples of why it's not going to happen. Here's why you ought to think about whether or not you should even go to college Jason, because it I'm may special. not be the Mom right decision. Hey, you know what? You're not special. <laughs> I am so you're, special. My you're no different than every other human being on this planet. And sometimes that's what it takes. Mm-hmm. I, I know the, the greatest mentors in my life were willing to say to me, 
um, that were willing to tell me the hard truth. Sure. And and were willing to be honest with me. And I think if you bring that to them in a, with love and you, you, you say it in a loving way, that you can say to somebody, listen, man, I love you. I care about you enough. This is what I, this is what I tell my kids. I love you too much to let you act like this. I, like I that. loved Very you good. too much to, to let you do these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I think we have to tell our kids and, and, and the young adults is like, listen, I care about you. That's why I'm telling you this. You're not special. You deserve to fail. You need to learn how to deal with that because this is going to be a reoccurring theme in your life. And if you ever want to get to a point of excellence, you've got to be willing to take that on because the difference between a winner and a loser is a guy who's willing to take on those slings and arrows and keep going. So do you want Jason to call you um, a bad guy and say how you can fail? Call. <laughs> no worries. He would be more than happy to, to give you the tough love that you need because he loves you too much. Five, seven, three, four. Two seven five four six three. Call, talk to us. I'm teasing, obviously. Tough love is important, and we do love you here. Obviously, you know we do. I'm gonna grab a call now if I could. We're we're in New York again, which is funny. I tend to stay in New York, but that's okay. I'm taking Michael. Michael, how are you? Hey, good, good. What's going on? Uh, I want to talk about hemp in New York State. Talk to me, brother. Uh, well, uh, first of all, uh. New York State has, and specifically the governor, yeah. has not never wanted hemp or medical marijuana. I would I mean, agree. That's proof because, uh, and everyone that supposedly grew hemp this year, mm-hmm. which nobody did, uh, grew uh, a form of marijuana, not hemp, mm-hmm. uh, cannabis sativa. Yeah. And uh that has CBDs in it. And I I wanted to find some place that grew actual hemp like it was grown 80 years ago. Sure. Uh where it was like 15 foot tall. Mm-hmm. And I wanted that because uh I know of uh the longer the cellulose fiber, the stronger the material can be made from it. No, look, you bring up a very important point here that I want to bring up, Michael. During my campaign, I talked about this. I wanted to regulate hemp and cannabis just like onions. That was it. If you remember my entire campaign, I didn't say let's tax the hell out of it so we can build roads and do any of that stuff. I said tax it like onions, except one exception. You need to be 18 years or older to purchase it at retail. That's it. Otherwise, it's like onions. And a reason why is for what you just said. I wanted to give farmers the opportunity to create a cash crop that could be hemp or cannabis, whatever they feel appropriate. They can create special craft grows, whether that's hemp rope or hemp crete or whether that's, you know, hemp for uh, for um, plastics, whatever, or cannabis, cannabis products if they want to make it for, you know, for uh, sleep or for recreation or for medicine. And if you're poor and you have pain, Grow your medicine in your backyard. Is it, is it completely illegal to grow well, it that's, here? that's the last. Uh, I wanted to say one more thing. Go ahead. There is no fee. There is no fee. There's no plot location fee. There's no license for a processing from the federal government, mm-hmm. which is why we can grow hemp in New York State this year. Well, hang on. Uh, what's your, you what's know, your name, right, man? Hang on. What's uh, your name? Right to Farm State. Hold on. Hold on one second. He's Michael. 
Michael, mm-hmm. my, Michael, is it, it's illegal yeah. to grow in in the state right now, right? You, uh, the, the issue you have with with cannabis and and hemp right now in New York State is you is in in you can't do it obviously federally. Yeah, but in New York State, the way it's regulated, you have to you have to get a license to be able to distribute. Okay, and it's very no, hard no. to get. And federally, hemp is legal. No, in New York and State, you have no to get to you it. you actually can grow hemp in New York State. You can. But you have to have if I forgot yeah. how it works, but there's some type of license or, or regulation you have to get to actually be able to distribute it and to grow it. So, yes. Mike, yes, but that is just a pocket grease for politicians. Hundred percent, yes. Politicians, it's it's free to do in the United States of America, and that's that was done last year's farm bill, and any fees or anything in a right to farm state. Is tantamount to pocket grease and corruption by our politicians. So Absolutely. then, so what are are you growing right now, Michael? <laughs> uh, he doesn't no, want to answer that question. Right bit, now. <laughs> it's a little bit too cold. A little bit too cold for that, right? Uh, now. All right, all right. Well, well, here's here's my. I guess my question for you is: that if if it's what are you, what steps are you taking right now to help move that mission forward? Well, uh, at the beginning of this year, I offered to uh, use my one-ton vehicle to go up to Canada, right where, right near a cottage I go to up there, and bring some hemp seed down here. But uh, the farmers in New York State, uh, none of them or the processors, well, they all thought I was crazy, but... Uh, none of them wanted me to give them free help or services in transporting it. And uh, and that was my second thing. No matter what type of cannabis you're growing, uh, hemp or marijuana or anything, it's, uh, it's uh, beneficial to whoever's growing it to grow it like it was done 80 years ago with one inch spacing instead of three foot spacing as they did this year. Uh, I mean, I, 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 I thought I, that was just common sense. I mean, it's okay. been done for hundreds My, Michael, of Michael, you are talking about th- one inch versus three feet to people who aren't farmers. So clearly that is not common sense. Perhaps for someone who farms hemp or cannabis it is, but the vast majority of humanity does not, ha- does not farm hemp or cannabis. So it really isn't no, I, common sense for us. I appreciate what you're actually uh, what you're saying. The history, history. No one's going to look at the history of cannabis and hemp, my friend, except someone who wants to grow cannabis and hemp. So I, I love what you're saying. I agree with you. All I'm saying is you're you're talking as if we're all hemp and cannabis farmers here. We're not. But my point when I was saying is I wanted farmers to choose. I'm not a farmer. I'm a Bronx kid. I don't know anything about farming. But I'm not supposed to. You are supposed to. The farmers are supposed to. You would actually pick and choose and grow the hemp the way you want to grow it. And if that's one inch, Michael, then damn it, you should grow it one inch. I'm with you, brother. Uh, it's, it's just uh, much more effective. I believe you. No matter what you're growing it for, that way 10 to 15 foot fibers can be used. Even if the Everybody the who's a farmer has been educated. I I appreciate it. My friend, Michael, thank you so much for the call. I appreciate it. All right. Have a good night. Bye. I think think Michael was just standing by. He wanted to educate people on how to grow hemp. I think that's amazing. I think that's what it was. I love it. I'm glad Michael said that. (laughs) These are important issues, right? If you, if you, 
This is the thing about entrepreneurship, right? What entrepreneurs are good at is exactly what Michael's talking about. You love your industry. You love your craft, right? And if you're a hemp grower or a cannabis grower, you know, you're probably right now at home listening to this going, Michael's right or Michael's wrong. This matters to you, right? You're you're probably happy about what he said. Every entrepreneur, and this is the thing I was talking about when I talk about entrepreneurs, it, I asked them and they say, Larry, I want to start a business. I say, great. Are you passionate about the business? And if they go, no, not really. It's just a good market. I say, don't do it. Do it if you're passionate because to your point, you're going to have failure. You're going to have obstacles put in front of your way. And if you don't have a passion like Michael has, you're going to surrender. When those big things hit, you're going to quit. But if you've got that passion, you push through it, right? Oh, without a, without a doubt. I, 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 there's some people, there's two different schools of thought on this, is that you, you shouldn't you sh- screw what you love doing, just do what is going to make you money, which basically means pick a pick an industry that has a and an, an, an entrepreneurial field that stands a reasonable chance of success, right? Which makes total sense to me. And then the other side is follow your passion. You'll never work a day in your life. I don't know why you have to choose between the two. Mm, I agree completely. Uh, and so I, I've always, for me personally, I can't imagine doing work that I wasn't inspired by mm-hmm. because it's too hard. Like people don't realize just how stressful it is, mm. how many sleepless nights you're going to have, how many times you're going to be like, dude, I just, I want to hang it up. I want to go back to the safe life where somebody gives me a paycheck yep. and I can just show up and punch that clock. Wouldn't life be easier? And what I always tell people is, is as libertarians, we are always, pre- uh, we're always preaching self-sufficiency. Yep. If you don't own and control the source of your income, you are not free. Right. You are beholden to someone. And, and I've always – I think that the two go hand in hand. I think if you truly want to be free and, and you want to you want to own your life and every aspect of it, you have to own uh, where your revenue comes from. Mm-hmm. And so I, I preach that. I advocate for it. And uh, shockingly, there are lots of libertarians who don't agree with that, I think largely because they don't want to be put on the spot and be forced to say, you know what, I don't want to work that hard or I don't want to take that kind of risk. But the reality is – um, there, the risks are far greater for you not doing that because now your life, your livelihood is tied up in, in somebody else's decisions. Yes. And I don't want my life tied up by somebody else's decisions. Well, it's a valid point. I, mean, I haven't had a, I haven't been an employee in probably 15 years or more, and I'm happy about that, but it isn't always the best life for me, right? The, the, I mean, there are times when I have a month goes by and I make almost no money. And a time where a month goes by and I think, my God, I'm a bazillionaire, right? Yeah. And back and forth and up and down, and it's a very tough time. I pay for all my own insurance. I pay for all my own everything, right? I've been doing that for many years. I do different gigs here or there. I've joined companies and as consultants and leave and go back and forth. Been doing it for about 15 years now. People think, well, Larry, that must be a great life. I go, no, it's just a different life, well, right? I, it's It's risky in certain ways, but not risky in others. And if I just had a job, what if I get fired? Right. That I'm still screwed either way. Exactly. I could still get screwed either way. It, it It's not necessarily safer or not safer. It's just a different type of lifestyle. Yeah. And I, I look at these, I look at folks who are like that. But one of the biggest objections I get is, oh, well, if I started my own business, I'd have to, you know, I'd have to uh, pay for my own insurance and my family's insurance. And I'm like, well, what do you, what does that cost you? Mm-hmm. Was it $10,000 a year? What are you making? Well, I'm making about 60, 60 grand a year. You're making $60,000 a year. So you're telling me that it, you can't find another $10,000 in the private sector to cover that. And then you own all of it yourself and you get to control all of it. And you get to be in charge of all of it. 
And when you frame it up that way, like, well, you know, I see your point. But the reality is, and this is the real rub and what nobody wants to hear, is that that guy doesn't want the responsibility of controlling it all. Yes. He doesn't want the responsibility of when it fails, I've got no one to blame but me. And everybody's going to know it. Mm-hmm. See, th- see that type of risk. That person uh, is reserved to the very few. He's he's one of the exceptions to the rule, and he's the reason that he makes three hundred times what the average employee makes. That's why that exists. It has absolutely nothing to do with the fact that they're greedy. They might be, but they own it. It's theirs. They took on the risk. They 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 reap they reap the reward from it. And it frustrates me when a guy who's not willing to take those risks and isn't willing to accept the responsibility then comes back and says, well, I feel like I deserve a bigger piece of the pie because there's so much. But what about the idea? And this is the argument you hear, right? Look, I get Mr. Entrepreneur makes a lot of money. I get that. He took the risk. But he couldn't have made the money without us here working, right? Our labor is what gave this guy the cash, right? So then how in the world – since he needs us, why don't I get a bigger cut? Right? Yeah, uh, why I, don't I get a bigger cut? Because without me, he can't make that money. And, and that's true. And, and mm-hmm. one of the things I talk about when, when, I, when I talk about the relationship between employers and employees is I say there's a symbiotic relationship mm-hmm. between the two. You, the, the employer needs the employees to scale, and the employees need the employer to take the risk. Mm-hmm. Now, the difference between the employer and the employee is, is that when the employee comes in, they negotiate for what they're worth. Mm-hmm. And they both settle on a price. So when you come to me, for example, and somebody says, hey, I want to come work for you, and we settle on, okay, you're going to get paid $80,000 a year, and here's what your benefit package is going to you're look like. You're going to get a lot of phone calls and, now. You're going to get a lot of phone calls here's what, here's, what, here's what you're going to get paid, and here's your benefit package and all of that. And you say, okay, I'm good with that. Then you're good with That's what you're worth. If you're worth more than that, then go get it. If there's another shop out there that will take your skills and pay you a hundred rather than the eighty that I'm willing to pay you, then go get it. Yeah, but I get your point, and I and I get it logically. The problem is for most people, most people take whatever's in front of them. Yeah, they let their life be run by inertia, right? So this job's in front of me, so I get it. Ask people why they don't get a job; they'll go because no one's hiring. Yeah, that's Look, what, no. that, that will be their excuse. Look, most no one's people, hiring. Most people react to life. Yes, most, absolutely. Mo- yeah, right? And that's that's one of the other things. If you choose to react to life, if you choose not to be deliberate about the decisions that you mm-hmm. make and the choices, then then get what you deserve. Then you're going to be stuck with the 80000 a year, and you shouldn't complain about it. You should be grateful that somebody was willing to give it to you. in California. Yeah, and you need to, to move on. You're stuck with 80000 yeah. That's a lot of people who are not stuck with 80000 <laughs> You live in New York. <laughs> yes, I know. You I live know. in New York. But this show is not just New York City oh, and California. My gosh. Come on. Now. Look, okay. What, I mean, uh, the truth is the, I, I say $80,000 a year because that, that's a pretty if, – if you're running a family of five, uh, you know, you got four kids or three kids and a you know, wife and husband, you're making $80,000 a year, uh, that, that's a, that's comfortable. It's probably not safe, but it's comfortable. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I frankly, I, I think that that's that. There's not a lot of money there, but okay. Um, but what I'm getting at is, is like the average American makes fifty two thousand dollars a year, yeah. fifty two grand. And, and and to me, that 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 baffles me that mm-hmm. anybody would stay in that space because I look at what can be earned with just a little bit of effort, and it dwarfs that number. 
Yeah. So, so why would you, why would you not be willing to step out? And if you're not, then you know what? Then be happy with your fifty. Yeah. And if somebody and down some the street, people are, yeah, and they are, and that's that's the other thing some that I people say. Are they're like, I make my fifty k a year. I'm good to go. I don't have a problem. I'm pretty. Some people do that. And that's what I tell people is I say, okay, let's say like I had a I, when I first got out of the Marines, I worked at a body shop, and there's a guy. Um, who, uh, all he wanted to do, I won't say his name, but all he wanted to do was go fishing on the weekends. Mm-hmm. And he made probably 45 grand a year. And he lived in this little tiny house on, on, on in a kind of an ugly neighborhood. And he got all of his joy and passion yep. out of going and fishing on the weekends. Yep. And if your goal is to fish on the weekends and 40 grand a year is enough for you and that makes you happy, then do that. Absolutely. Life and is and I'm, that's right. Yep. I, I want you to seek whatever your happiness and fulfillment is. Uh, and, and I'm not going to question Absolutely. what that should be for you. Mm-hmm. I speak to people who are unhappy, who want uh, a more abundant life, both uh, financially, emotionally, and, and uh, spiritually, if that's what they Well, that's what I would like for. more of a financial life. So that means I need you guys out there listening to support me. I need you to go out there and head on over to patreon.com slash sharpway and support this show. If you like what's going on, if you like what we're saying, then do what you can. Drop $9, 15 bucks. Drop a whole lot of money. Drop $28. Drop $500 a month if you want to. If you're, if you, if you're, that, if you're one of those heavy hitters who makes 80 whole thousand dollars a year, <laughs> you're one of those guys, drop some cash my way. I could use that. So to move this show forward, I appreciate it. I'm going to go back to the phones if I could. I'm going to move over to South Carolina, trying to not just be in New York State. We're going to talk to uh, about young people, and we are talking to Will. Will, are you there? Will, are you there? I think I've lost Will. No, you haven't. Oh, hey, I got you. What's going on, Will? Talk to me. Hey, brother, long time. No, I haven't talked to you in a while. Hey, Jason, it's real good to talk to you. Thanks, man. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say one thing, though. Uh-oh. He's not a former Marine. He is a Marine. I like that. I like that. Well, the saying is you don't say ex-Marine. You say former Marine. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Anyway, uh, you know, you and I have talked in the past about uh, a few issues, and here's one that's really been getting to me right now trying to talk to uh, young people, especially on campuses. Yeah. And um, I tell them, hey, I hear you, but can you consider this? The problem is, as soon as I hit that, but can you consider this, I get shut down and or diminished. That's because uh, you, you, hold on, that's because you use the word but. But is an ah. eraser. Remember, in English language, but's an eraser. You will never hear okay. me ever say, yeah, but, never say that. What I always say is, yeah, and also, yeah, can you also sure in addition you, you once you say but you've just said I don't actually hear you I love you but I don't really love you great idea but not great idea I respect you but okay. I don't respect you so the the issue you just made right there is you put the but it, in, it, okay. instead just let what they say land if someone says I think that everyone should give get a, a pony you can say I get that mm-hmm. yeah so let me ask you how or what about this? And in addition to a pony, how about this idea? Then you'll see people at least hear you. Well, that, that's a great that's a great uh, uh, anachronism. Uh, what do you think is probably the biggest rub that they're having right now? Um, I thought it would be more on economics. They are big on controlling free speech, ah, uh, which yes. shocked me. Really, yes, yes. Do you want to touch that one, Jason? Or? 
Um, I, I think it goes back to what we were talking about early on in the show, which is I, I don't I don't know how to deal with us not agreeing. Mm-hmm. I haven't learned mm-hmm. how to have that 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 I we just have to agree to disagree conversation. Yep. I don't know how to approach mm-hmm. you with calm and rational and and provide my points. If I don't agree with you, you're obviously full of hate. Mm-hmm. And and if you disagree with me, it's obviously because you are a racist or a sexist or a bigot or whatever. And therefore, right. that gives me the right to shout you down and to silence you. And and that's where that comes from, is that I, I don't have if you don't have the tools to have a conversation with somebody and to disagree with them um, respectfully, then this is what we resort to. But there are two issues I want you to consider here. The first one is. Sure. They actually don't want to control language. Is it what they want? They're doing it as they think that's the right answer for what they actually want. And what they really want, if you ask the youth, what they want is fairness. They don't know what that means. They don't really know how to get it. So what Mm -hmm. side talks about fairness? Well, the left talks about fairness. The right often does. It's a very poor job of speaking about fairness. It doesn't mean people on the right are any less or more fair. It does not mean that. I'm saying rhetoric-wise, right? The rhetoric of the right mm-hmm. is not very good when it comes to fairness. The rhetoric of the left is much better when it comes to fairness. Now, the left is no more fair than the right. I'm just talking about rhetoric, right? The left talks mm-hmm. about fairness and socialism and how to help people, and you don't want the people who are marginalized to feel bad. Very good fairness rhetoric. As libertarians, as people in the liberty movement, not even libertarians, in the liberty movement, we have to be better at talking to fairness. And I will bring it up often with the youth. I'll say things like, don't you really want things to be fair? And they will almost always go, I do. And that's why socialism. And I go, okay. My question I have is, let's assume that you have a social society and someone doesn't want to join the society. What happens then? And they go, well, they will. What if they don't? Are you okay with them now using force? Are you okay with the cops coming by? Are you okay with fines? Are you okay with this? And they will often say no. And I would say, wouldn't it be nice if there was a society where it was a voluntary society, that everyone had the right opportunities and could do what they felt was appropriate? And fairness wasn't everybody getting the same thing, but fairness was everybody getting an opportunity to get whatever it is that makes them happy. And all of a sudden they go, that sounds amazing. And I just made him libertarian. So talking about fairness is a critical thing that the liberty movement has to get better at. We're not very good at it in general. We've got to get better at doing it. I spent a lot of time doing it. That's how we will convert the left. That's how we will convert the youth. That's how we'll get them to, to come out to our side. Will, was that helpful? Very helpful. Very helpful. Awesome. So keep that piece in mind. I I think you'll see that fairness is the key. And I think you'll find that if you stop using the word but, people will hear you more. Great strategies. Keep up the good work, both of you. Thank you, brother. Thanks, man. Have a good one. All right. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. I am going to uh, go back to New York because I do love my New Yorkers. So I'm going to head back to New York. And I think with not the libertarian movement, the libertarian party here – We're going to be talking uh, to Dan in New York. Dan, are you there? Hi, Larry. Hey, what's going on? Not much. I'm just listening to the show. I'm I'm here. You're talking to Larry right now. Oh, okay. Larry, Jason, uh, I'm calling in today because I want to talk about the uh, 2020 LP and 
My question for the both of you guys. So you're running? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I've been talking to a lot of uh, people recently, and why I just want to get your guys' opinion on why they think third parties are spoilers in elections, sure. locally, state, in president. Like I don't, I don't get why they think well, third parties are a waste of vote. I just, no, no, I get it completely. That's, that's good. Jason, but yeah. you don't really consider yourself a big L libertarian, right? You're no, no, you're, no. You're you're part of the liberty movement, is how you kind of how do you I, identify? I, I I have I've I have a life principle that says we don't hurt people and we don't take their stuff, and that's very libertarian in mm-hmm. in, in the way I think. Um, but I I would I am. I was very I was more politically active back in 2016 much mm-hmm. more than I am today because I I didn't see it having a, any positive effect on my listeners. All, all I saw was that a bunch of people were very angry and after 4 years of doing my show being you know politically motivated and angled, I saw really mm-hmm. no change at all mm-hmm. in in my audience or in society in general because of me being there despite having, you know, whatever it was 30,000 listeners a day on my show all who were uh, predisposed to the message that I was preaching. And sure. so um, why do people think that the Libertarian Party is a is a wasted vote and because it draws from one of the other parties is because in many cases it does. In the absence of a third party, in the absence of a third mm-hmm. choice, people will choose A or B. And so, I mean, you can look at Ross Perot and, and you can see clearly that w- the reason that we lost that, that Republicans lost that election was due to Ron, uh, sorry, uh, due to the, him sucking votes away. And, um, mm-hmm. and so... Ross Perot acted as a siphon for Republicans who were who were more extreme than, you know, than Bush was. And so it it is true that that happens. And for me, I guess my question is, is why why do why are you concerned with that? Do you feel like your vote is wasted or do you just not do you feel like it's a I've never felt that my vote was wasted when I voted my conscience. I've never felt that way. Uh, what am I going? If I give my vote to somebody that I don't really agree with, isn't that just as much a wasted vote as voting for somebody that I truly do believe in and who I truly do value their position? I mean, I mean, in 2016, I voted for uh, Daryl Castle for the Constitution Party because he most closely aligned with my ideals. I didn't vote libertarian just simply because it was the libertarian party and I wanted to support them. I voted my conscience. And to me, that's never a wasted vote. Some people will look at it differently and they'll say, well, I want to get so, uh, not not Hillary Clinton. So I'll vote Donald Trump just because we don't want Hillary. But to me, th- those are th- those are two false choices. I don't want either one of those people. My life isn't my life doesn't materially benefit from either one of them. And so uh, my I guess my question again is, do you feel like your vote is wasted or or do you just not know how to respond to that question? To answer your question. I haven't been following politics actively for a long time. I'm just starting to really open my eyes to it because all I see in in this climate is, like Larry's been saying, red team versus blue team, Republican Mm -hmm. versus Democrat, progressive versus conservative. And the reason I'm sick and tired of it is because there's there's no unification of Mm -hmm. logic or there's no, hey, we can't get along because simply because we come from two different walks of life. You know, we're raised different, we're culturally different, but I, I think, like you said, Jason, voting your conscience is not wrong. It's because that person or candidate aligns with what your beliefs are. And 
I just, I hate that stereotype of, well, if you vote third party, it's a wasted vote and you're just dumb to throw it away because these a-holes at the top think it's just, it's not going to go anywhere because, you know, change is a very gradual thing. Well, let me give you a couple of things. Like I am obviously an openly partisan. I am obviously libertarian. I obviously vote libertarian. I run libertarian. So I'm a big mm-hmm. L libertarian, and there are many people who come to the show who are not that. So thank you for, for coming to the show. We have lots of people who, who aren't that. But I am that. And I'll give you three things. One, uh, Jason's completely right. It does happen. Of course it does. But how else are we going to make change, right? If we're going to make change, that has to begin to happen, right? There has to be some pain mm-hmm. on the left on the right. What people will say is too much because of the Ross Pro factor – They'll say, well, you take votes from Republicans. That's not true. We take votes from both sides. We basically take votes from the, from mm-hmm. the, from the side of the ruling class, right? So in, in New York, we took lots of votes from a Democrat because it's a heavily Democrat state, right? That happens often. You go to Oklahoma, probably the opposite, right? You find those things mm-hmm. happen from the ruling class. We take more from that than the other because we become another protest vote, right? We become another protest vote. When that begins to happen, then one, one, we become a spoiler. But the spoiler is the beginning because once we're a spoiler, now we become valuable. Now people pay attention to us. Now we get more press because we become a spoiler. Spoiler is the first stage of change. Remember something. You go back mm-hmm. 150 years, the Republican Party was a third party. They became a spoiler right. first, and then they replaced the Whigs. That's how that works. So, yes, that's going to happen. And, yes, it should happen. That's a natural way of making it happen. But it's the second piece of this, and that is I don't want you running as a third party unless you can make impact. I don't mm-hmm. want you to run because we have to have someone on the libertarian line. That is a dumb reason to run. I want you to run because you can make some impact because when you run, you are sucking up your time, your energy, your money, and more importantly, the time, money, and energy of all the people who support you, donors, volunteers, all those people putting their time, money, and energy into you and for you to go, well, I gave someone a choice. No one wanted your choice. But if you're going to say I made some impact, I changed something, I made something, I say for my campaign. I got ballot access for for New York State, right? There are now about 100 libertarians in New York State elected. Six are are straight libertarian line. 96 of them are uh, fusion candidates. You go back a year and a half uh, ago, there were zero. That's impact. We ran over 200 candidates. Not just that. Safe Act. Um, And now the, the, the gun regulation in New York State. We are right now already in western New York. We are now ignoring some of parts of that law. That's for my campaign. Go ahead. Sorry, I, I, yeah. All I was going to say was, and, and to piggyback on, and Larry is absolutely right. Larry was able to, to, to affect some real change and, and move the Libertarian Party quite a bit here in New York. And what I would say, another argument that I, I constantly make or, or one retort to your comment about, oh, it's a wasted vote, you can respond in the affirmative through through aligning with them and say, you're absolutely right. It is a wasted vote because that vote is just going to get kiss, kicked aside. And, and I think there are a lot of people in America who would love to have a third choice, who would vote on a libertarian line or, or a constitution party line if they felt like it wasn't a wasted vote. And so one of the things that we I advocate for is ranked choice in voting. Mm, yes. Uh, because, and, and if you're not familiar with it, basically you get a 
say, I choose this guy first, this guy second, this guy third. And and then if your first candidate who you wanted first isn't the winner, all your votes go to the second candidate. So it, it's not a wasted vote. You get a chance to kind of say, who here's a guy I really want, even though I know he probably won't get elected. But that vote, I want that to go to this other guy if that guy doesn't get elected. Yes, and we and, got that in New York City. Yeah, do, do you? Okay, yeah, and that's and that's uh, that we should have that nationwide for mm-hmm. national elections as well because it is uh, that changes the dynamic and the argument for why people would vote third party. Absolutely. And the last piece I'll bring up is you talked about uh, unifying. Left and right's not going to unify. The only opportunity right. we have to unify is the liberty movement, and the reason is you don't have to convert to join us. You simply have to say, I don't want to use government force to force my view on others. You can literally say you are the most conservative person in the world. You're super conservative, but you think that it's not the government's job to make everyone else conservative. It's your job through your own uh, example, through your own actions and deeds and community to make everyone else more conservative. You can be a libertarian. If you're super liberal and you think the whole world should be liberal, no worries. Do you think it is the government's job to force culture to be liberal? If you do, you're a Democrat. If you don't, you say, no, no, it's my job through my example, my community, my deeds, my works to convince everyone to be more liberal. You can be a libertarian. You don't feel like the left and the right are uh, are are joined and moving in the same direction. They yeah. are. They're moving towards oligarchy. Yeah, that, 100%. That's, yeah, absolutely. Yes, I, I I agree with that. I think that you know a lot of people look at the left and they say, ah, oh, well, you know, they they're about control and they're about socialism. Mm-hmm. You know, look at the right as it came to gay marriage or drugs. You know, all those things yep. that we advocate for and we say let people choose. Um, they, they push their agenda. They yes. push their controls in the same way the left does. I think it's unfair. I think either party that are in power, the two-party system that we have, it's about control. Yep. It's about controlling you and your life and your choices and manipulating you into believing that you have to choose this team or that team. Yes. And if I'm on this team, then I support this team regardless of what they say and regardless of what they do. And I'll listen to the talk shows that tell me what to believe so that <laughs> yes. I don't have to think about it. And, and then I'll regurgitate what I hear around the water cooler at work. And and we got to get out of that mindset because that that's killing us as a people. It's stripping us of our freedom and our rights. Yes. And we have to get to a place where we are unwilling to accept the, the, the notion that we have to choose A or B and defend that to the death. I love that. Absolutely. Did, it, did I answer your question? Yes, it did. Uh, Jason, can I ask you something? Yeah, man, go ahead. So, other, so I, I do think we need a third party as an alternative because, you know, I do think the two-party system is broken in millions of pieces. And do you think that at some point our democracy will change into a more multi-representational like like Europe has or no? I I would love to see that. I, I don't see that now. I, I really don't. I think that the Libertarian Party did did a really did really well in 2016, about as well as they could have done. I, I was not a fan of the Libertarian candidate, um, but I I, I under, they did the best they could with that candidate. I don't think they will do as well this year. I think it's going to be a, very, a struggle for them to to do better, mainly because we don't have the dynamic that we had in 16. I wish you were uh, wrong. Yeah, I, I hope I'm wrong too. And I was actually <laughs> sitting with the the head of the Libertarian Party, Nick Sarwak, uh, at that freedom fest talking about it and i said i hope i'm wrong i really do i'll eat my words we've got a hundred dollar bet going um and i said i hope i'm wrong but i don't think i am i i think that this is going to be a tough year for them and i think the best thing that we can do 
is live our values as libertarians. And that is not not to throw it in people's faces, but just to say, look, this is the way I choose to live my life. You know, one of the things I love, there are really good Christian people and then there are terrible Christian people, right? Good Christian people live their values and they show their they they show their faith through the way that they live, through mm-hmm. their kindness, through their generosity. And the people who do it the wrong way beat you over the head with their Bibles, criticize you, tell you what to judge you, mm-hmm. right? We got too many libertarians that are beating people over the head with their Bible. And what we need are more people mm-hmm. who are living their values and showing people that there's a better way. And I think if we can get people on on that path, talking that way to their friends and their neighbors and their coworkers, that stands that that's that's where we have the greatest chance of making an impact and having the type of change that you want to see there we go i think i agree completely did i answer your question are you okay yes larry thank um, you brother thank yep. you man appreciate it all right take care all righty i am going to have uh, someone who is driving the country i'm not sure where this person is maybe they're all over the place dividing uh, oh is it d- dividing. dividing oh dividing sorry i'm reading it wrong i can't read <laughs> I, need, I need to put my my glasses on i was about dividing the 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 country we're talking to uh paul paul are you there paul it's you are you there I heard him listening. And I think I may have lost Paul. Paul, one more shot. You there? He was listening. Yeah. <laughs> All right. No worries. I've lost Paul. We'll move on. I will head over to North Carolina now. Um, if I can grab North Carolina. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, we lost him too. Okay. Let's move over to one more. You guys, I'm sorry. Am I talking too much? Uh, so let me grab one more. I will grab uh, John. That's who I'll grab. I'll see John. If uh, John wants to talk about the one bill party, I'm not sure what that is, but I'm sure he will tell me what that is. John, how are you? Okay, we're batting a hundred here. I'm sorry, batting a thousand. I'm batting a thousand. We're well batting done. a thousand. Yeah. Yes, see that we're batting a thousand. <laughs> I wanted I wanted to talk about why we have I tolls. Did, I had a good I answer for that. Yeah, do that so, so, John, are you there? John, how are you, sir? You're on the air with Larry and Jason. Hey, Jason. Uh, John, uh, Larry, how you doing? I'm uh, doing great. I've Talk to me. You. I love you. Um, so I have an idea of maybe how to uh, how to change the the third party system. Okay. Uh, using the Libertarian Party, and it would be to to use it as a a platform to introduce new bills into Congress. Okay. Uh, and it would be like I would call it the one party bill party. Excuse me, one the one bill, bill party. party. Okay. And basically, what you do is you put in a bill, and the whole platform is we are going to vote this bill, and it'll be term limits, um, lobbyist corruption, no finance, you know, financing reform, and uh, and I don't know if it's possible, but the, you know, but to hold, have hold a, on, I want to be clear. System. Hold one second. Are you <laughs> saying that this one bill has all of those things in it, or each well, of those well, is a separate bill? It, it could be all one bill. It could be a couple separate bills. But whatever it is, you're, you're you're passing a bill, and then and then our party or the candidate resigns. So, so one bill is, and resign. Yes. Why so Why does the guy or gal that, have to resign? Well, it's so that um, it's so that both Democrats and Republicans would feel comfortable voting for the person because um, they know that if they vote for this person, 
if somebody resigns from Congress or something, I, I this is my only problem is I don't understand the the whole. Uh, yeah, I, I, you're, I'm, I'm, I don't, I don't get it. So what you're saying is, if I'm clear, <laughs> I'm gonna run under the what uh, term limits party or whatever that is, right? That's my party, right. term limits party. Right. And then my sure. goal is, I win Congress, then I go to D.C. and I just push this one idea of getting term limits. And when I get term limits, I resign. Right. What if and I what- never get term limits? Well, <laughs> do I just stay in office until I get them? Because I'm like never going to get term limits then. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm just thinking some way to get. Um, it, you could just be like an activist get, and like push the bills yourself through your current Congress. Could do that. You could actually decide well, what, to vote third I, party until the people actually did what you wanted. Can I ask you what if um, if uh, if somebody resigns from Congress, okay, who this, takes this over that yeah. spot? Yeah, did they have a special election? Happened here in New York. There'll be a what special election. To- it happened in New York. The okay. guy, the guy in so that, uh, in that- Western New York, he was uh, indicted on corruption charges. He resigned, and there's going to be a special election now. And guess who's running? A libertarian, Dwayne Whitmer in Western New York, is running. <laughs> yes, indeed. I had, I had to do a libertarian well, plug. So yes, that actually is happening. So I I like the idea that you're coming up with. People love these ideas. The problem is they're they're odd and. They yes, they don't break the system, right? Let's assume well, for a that, second that, that it actually works. Hold on. Let's assume it actually help, works. You know. The guy gets in. He pushes term limits. He gets term limits passed. He then resigns. They then repeal it. It's done. <laughs> Not really yeah. sure that's going to work well. I don't know. Yeah. I was just trying to put it out in the ether and let somebody else figure it I out. I love it. It's out. Jason, you want to comment on that? I no, there we go. Yeah, <laughs> like that's, you can't, that's you can't do anything with that. It sounds like sounds like uh, you were having you were having shower beers, and you you just you just kind of like like I really don't know anything about government or how it works, but wouldn't it be great if we could just get one guy and we could just bring that guy in and we he could just fix it all? That would be and awesome. that would be awesome. I, so, I, I love, love you, it. brother. Yeah, but that's that, awesome. That, that, I don't I don't see that happening. Uh, thanks for the call, brother. I really appreciate it. Thank you. No problem. Have thanks a good one. I love that. Bye. That's awesome. All right, we are going to go back and try to see if we can get Paul again. I know uh, Paul tried before, and he dropped, but we're going to try Paul. Paul, are you there? Yes, I'm here. What's going on, Paul? How are you, brother? Good, good. So can you – There we go. Yeah, now I'm here. Yeah, so, I hear you guys. So talk to me, my friend. How are you? Uh, good, good, guys. Uh, can you turn down your, your – can you please turn down your volume in the back? Turn down your radio, man. Okay. Can you hear me now? There we go. Now we're rocking and rolling. Uh, He's not turning it down. down. <laughs> you got to turn your volume down. Okay. Can you hear me? Okay. I hear you, but in the background, the I hear us from like five minutes ago. One of the biggest problems in this country. Okay. This is funny. I'm listening to the show again for the second time. I know, but it's kind of messed up. Okay. <laughs> Can you not hit mute on your computer? On, on your computer. Can you not hit mute? I know, but it's kind of messed up. Can you not hit mute on your computer? Can you hear me now? Hang on. Paul, Paul, is this the first time you have ever called in to a radio show ever? 
<laughs> okay, <laughs> this is wondering. good. This is good. Gonna, this is a, this is a better call than I thought. Hey, you ever called in to a radio a, show? We get ever. to hear it twice. I, I love it. First time. Okay, turn you. The, the radio is on a delay, Paul. So you got to turn down the microphone and the volume from what you're listening okay. to, and just talk to us. Okay, can you hear me now? There's this nasty feedback that's happening. Okay, turn. You, the radio is on a delay, Paul. So you got to turn down the microphone and the volume. Did it go? No. Okay, I'm here. Can you yeah. hear me? I know that you are here. In the background, I think you uh, you can hear us in the background. So does that mean you have your computer or device on? Can you turn that down? I turned it down. Oh, is that us? Is that our feedback? No, that's not our feedback. Hold on. Maybe that's our feedback. It's, your, it's yours. Did you turn that off? Yes, it was our feedback. No, Paul, Paul are you still there? Paul, I it, am sorry. It wasn't made by our. That was our, that was our engineers. Paul, I apologize that to you, man. That was our engineers. We were <laughs> giving I thought, you help. I thought, yeah, I'm, I'm giving you all kinds of and help for that. Totally that wasn't even on you. Oh my gosh! All right, man. I am embarrassed. You get to you get to call us names if you want. Go ahead. <laughs> no, don't worry about it. <laughs> um, I just want to say that I think one of the biggest problems. And our country now is that the media is dividing the country. I think that's true. Yes. I think that's the biggest uh, downfall for this country going down with CNN, MSNBC, CBS. Uh, I don't even see Fox as bad because Fox sometimes a little bit more balanced. They're all bad. I, How can you don't help? Don't don't do that. Did you just if say Fox News on, is not bad? If you're on the right, you're gonna say I, Fox News is not bad. No, if you're no, on the no, left, no. you're gonna I'm say MSNBC is not bad. Listen, come I'm on, a come on. But when listen, when you see something wrong, you're like, there's so much hate on these other news media. It just blows your mind away. Look, it's depressing. There's two things to think about here. I think you're totally right. I want to be clear. You are right. Since about the 90s, give or take, the Gulf War was really when the fractured media be- began, began to become obvious, right? That's when CNN became powerful from the Gulf War. That's when people started seeing different view sets. That's when the opinion shows started coming out. That was the rise of Rush Limbaugh on talk radio. You started to begin in the 90s watching the fractured media pop up all over the place. And you still have it. But you don't only have fractured media in political views. You also have it on what you watch, right? My daughters now don't even watch TV anymore, right? My daughters are 15 and 9. They don't even watch TV anymore. So they're picking their media how they want. We're picking Hulu or Netflix or whatever. Disney Plus, as Jason mentioned. We're, we're, We're picking the things we want. The media is absolutely fractured. And the thing is they're all screaming for eyeballs. And does boring news grab eyeballs? Not so much. Does yelling about the left or the right grab eyeballs? Yeah, it does. Does calling Donald Trump the God King or the devil, either one, does that get eyeballs? Yeah, it does. You either worship him or you hate him like he's the worst thing in the world. Both of those get eyeballs, so I think you're totally right. It's a fractured media, but not only in news, in many things. Right, but I think they should be countable. Uh, 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 uh. They should be charged. If they're making up stories, and I notice that they've gotten caught in many lies, uh, and and I think like even what happened with uh, with uh, Saddam Hussein, how they 
They found these missiles. They never found these missiles, right? And we went into war, you know? I mean, the media has such a big role in uh, kind of molding people and, 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 and making people kind of like but, zombies. Yes, basically. but the media right now, I don't know if you know this, most people don't get their news directly from the media. Most people get their news from some kind of aggregator, right? Whether that aggregator is Facebook or Twitter or Yahoo News or Google uh, News or whatever, most don't right. watch directly. Some do, but most don't. Most get it from but some aggregator. Like I've spoken to this lady today. She said, I watch CNN. Uh-huh. And one of the things that, like, okay, I voted for Obama twice. Okay. And then I decided I didn't like how the country was going. Uh huh. I said, you know what? I decided to run for Trump because he's an outsider. Mm-hmm. Uh, I felt like he had to shake what was going on. I really wasn't paying too much to uh, politics. And no, to, I love I'm, what you just said, my friend, because this is a common thing people don't get. And I talked to my friends. I live in New York City, so most of my friends are Democrats. So I'm from Brooklyn. Yeah, so you know. So most of your friends are Democrats, too. So you know what I'm going to say here. People were shocked when I told them that a bunch of people who supported Bernie, once in 2016 he was removed by the Democrats, a lot of those people went to Trump. Yes. Yes, a lot did. People say, why in the world would people who support Bernie go to Trump? It's exactly what you said, my friend. They saw Bernie as the outsider on the left and Hillary was the establishment. And when they lost Bernie... They weren't paying attention to actual policies. They were paying attention to what you just said. Who's the outsider? And Trump was the outsider compared to Hillary. Right. Well, one of the things that the reason why I changed my mind was after the Democratic Party kind of like played that whole slate up by, you know, I thought that, you know, he had a big home after and he's endorsing Hillary. I thought Bernie was for the people. And once he went back, to support Hillary after they did that whole charade uh, with with him uh, because he was winning. I mean, he would have been probably the president. He might have won uh, as possible. He was also yeah. an outsider. He, he might have been Trump as possible. Well, Who knows? Right. And I'm, 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 I was thinking because he had uh, a bunch of people voting for him and a lot of young people. So I'm, I'm kind of what are you what are you asking now? Jason's going to get so mad at me if I don't get a question out of you. Okay, I'm sorry. So what I'm asking to you I just blamed you, Jason. Thanks, man. (laughs) I'm sorry. What I'm saying is that I think the media is part of the Democratic Party. They're not not for everyone. Ah, I see. Okay. The agenda agenda is to push the, 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 the Democratic agenda. They don't want to really... It's not a balance anymore. It's like... If, if you, when you... When you have a moment... This is what I've yeah. done, literally. When you have a moment, I will watch a half an hour, 20 minutes of MSNBC during their evening primetime. Then watch half hour or 20 minutes of Fox News during the evening primetime. And what you find will find is the exact opposite. MSNBC will be spending 20 minutes saying, this is why Trump is bad. He's horrible. Here's more bad Trump news. Fox will be doing the exact opposite, saying Trump is amazing or here's an excuse of why Trump is not bad. I don't think either of them is correct. I don't think the media is left or right. The media is I want eyeballs and one of those work and they pick one and they run with it. 
Now, to be fair, hold on. To be fair, there are more physical left uh, media outlets, but the right, right gets a whole lot more eyeballs. Fox dominates the the cable news more than the left completely. So while there are physically less stations, they still get more eyeballs because they get more balance. They they. They're not, I'm not going to uh, go there. No, they, they don't get more. No, no, no. I'm not going to go there. They did a better job of selling you on the fact that they're balanced. <laughs> no. Yes, that's what that's they've true. done. Yes. They've convinced you that they're balanced, and so you naturally gravitate towards that. No, no, no. The, the truth is, is that all media is biased. Absolutely. All of it is. All yep. of it has an agenda. All of it has an angle. Yes. And they've just decided that they're going to be A rather than B. And, and what, I, what I think is, is that you've got to go into whatever media outlet that you're watching. You have to understand that you are try, they're trying to influence you. Mm-hmm. They are trying to persuade you to believe something, to take a certain stance on a certain a particular topic. And the best thing you can do is be objective about everything that you hear and recognize that the words that are coming out of the mouth of the host or the, or the, uh, or the people who are on the show is all designed to try and manipulate you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Regardless of which other side you're on, I mean, I, I, I honestly believe I'm going to say something that's that's terribly, uh, you know, uh, unkosher. Please, is that I, I just think that there's a lot of people in America who shouldn't be voting. Mm-hmm. I, I just think that I'm, I mean, I, you should not come to me for advice on uh, on what you should do if you have uh, some sort of major medical illness, right? I'm not a doctor. I haven't been to medical school. I don't understand the law. I don't understand the body and how it works. In addition, don't come to me for legal advice. I don't understand the law. Go to a lawyer for that. I think there are far too many people in America today who have absolutely no concept of how the government works, of how uh, uh, of the motivations of the politicians, and who have absolutely no concept. If you asked, I, I saw a poll the other day. They said like 43% of the American people said that they thought that Trump should be impeached. And I guarantee you, if you ask a thousand people in America, what crime is Trump guilty of that he needs to be impeached for? 80% of them will have no idea. No idea. Do you know, ask, ask, answer me a question. Do you know for what crimes a president can be impeached? Who, I didn't think so. Who, I didn't who, think so. That? Who are you asking? I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. What'd you say? Say that again. What crime, for what crimes can the president be impeached under the Constitution? I think he can be impeached for, uh, 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 um, what's that word uh, I'm trying to use? What they're trying to impeach him for right now, like, uh, uh, like what, what, uh, what's his name? Uh, the, the vice president of Obama, what his son did. Uh, but they're letting him get away with all that shit. Uh, like, uh, In reality, the president can be impeached for almost anything. It is, be it is the Here's job the of, of Congress to to investigate, and they can impeach him for Im- almost anything. Im- impeachment can happen for high crimes and misdemeanors. Mm-hmm. Okay, that means, or or, uh, or if he, um, uh, what's the other word that that they that that is used? If he. Uh, if he conspired against the United States, okay, those are the things that well, he can now, be. He broke the emoluments clause. Yeah, yeah. Now, let me ask now, you a question, guys. Hang on, but wait, wait uh, a minute before before you before okay. you ask your question. Let me just say this. This this was my whole point. Is that 90 percent of the American people got no idea, but they all got an opinion. Okay, and and yep. this is the problem with America is you can't blame the media. Okay, if you don't understand what's going on in America, that's on you. Okay? If you're being manipulated by the press and you don't like that the press is too left wing, what you're really saying is, is that everybody else out there is too stupid to know that they're being manipulated, but I'm not. 
And the fact is, is that in most cases, all of us are being manipulated. All of us are being lied to. And we just we all think that we're smarter than the other guy in the room. And and so I ask you that question just to point out that, hey, although you probably got an opinion on it, there's very, very few people on, on in America today who can actually tell you what crime the president is actually guilty of if he did, in fact, work with the uh, work with the Ukrainians to try and get uh, President uh, or, sorry, uh, Joe, Joe Biden out of office. OK, well, well but, but I don't think it was he was trying to get Joe Biden out of office. I, you know what I'm saying? I yeah. Think, no, what I just think is that there's so much corruption going on. In those countries, we both, we all know that in those countries, there's a lot of corruption going on. Now, how do you have a vice president that doesn't even speak the, 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 the language and he's getting all the Oh, money. you watch Fox News. Yes, you do. You are literally no, 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 giving no, no, Fox no, News no, talking no, points no, right no, now. No, oh, my no, God. No, yes, you are. You are literally no, giving no, Fox no, News. Like, I can, you no, could right no, now be an anchor no, on Fox no, News right now. No, you could be that. I'm listening to you guys. Listen. Giuliani was one of the guys that brought the mafia down in New York. Okay. There's no mafia in New York anymore. That's gone. No, 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 no. Listen, listen. What, what Giuliani did back in the days, he put all the families down. I thought that was a smart move. What Trump did. The the mafia is not as strong as they used to be. Okay. Believe me. Those guys. So hold on. Your, your, your original point here was about the media though. No, right. But I'm going to get back to it. Okay. See, so I'm going to get back to it. I'm thinking he sent he sent Giuliani, okay, over there to find out what was going on. Okay. Because there's so much corruption going on in those countries. I know because I have a lot of friends. And we don't countries. have a State Department that can do that stuff and does that like every day for a living. Is your argument that Giuliani is, is somehow a moral upstanding person? No, no, but he had to have some people close to him for him to be down there to find out what really was happening, what's going on with this money coming, billions of dollars from China, millions, 50000 you know, $50,000 a month. Dude, I, that's, I, 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 don't, I get I don't, what you're saying, but I, I, I mean, it, I know that might seem like a lot of money. It's just, I, the Democrats, the only thing they want is power. They're not Republicans, though. Not Republicans. Listen, I was a Democrat. I changed my ways. I I can't even talk to Democrats. I hear you completely, and this is something that is very common, by the way. This is very common. When someone goes from Republican, hold on, I know. No, no, I agree with you. I agree. Look, I ran across this state two for two years. I met many Trump supporters, and not all of them were white. That's for sure. You are totally correct. I completely agree with you. All I'm saying to you now is, when someone changes, right? When someone was Democrat for a long time becomes Republican, or was Republican and becomes a Democrat, remember something. The most zealous are the converted. So once someone moves moves over, they become hardcore. And I think, my friend, you've made the move, which is good for you. I'm happy that you made a movie. I hope you found a party that works well for you. I'm glad for that. I wish you were libertarian. But, hey, whatever makes you happy is all good. I think you have become a zealot because you are all about it, and that's awesome good for you. The reality of it is, though, the average American is not a zealot. The average American doesn't look the same way you look. 
They're not right. going to see it the same way. They're going to see it as, hey, whatever, Trump is this guy I like or don't like. They're not going to look at the details. You're, it's very funny. You met, you're talking very similar to one of our first callers. Mike was talking about hemp, and he was giving us details about hemp and critical pieces about hemp. And what, you want to make it uh, three feet or one inch apart when you're growing it. Details that the average American, I'm not saying is wrong, but doesn't get. They don't look at hemp and cannabis that way. I think you're in that same boat, my friend. You're hitting a lot of details that matter tremendously to you. But to the average American, they're just looking at it and they're going, I like Trump or I don't like Trump. That's what the average American's doing. They're not looking at the details that you're looking at. I'm not saying you're right or wrong. I honestly don't know. What I'm saying is the average American simply says, eh, I like Trump or I hate Democrats or I don't like Trump or I love Democrats. That's kind of what the average American's looking like, for. I, I, well, I don't like any both. I don't like any of the parties. I think both parties are intertwined with each other. Mm -hmm. I think that what Trump is doing, he's shaking the shit out of uh, Washington, D.C., and we needed that because, but like I said, I really wasn't paying too much to uh, politics until this man ran into office. And, you know, I, 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 I look at a lot of things uh, as, from my point of view, as, you know, you have a birth and nine months, they can abort the babies now. I just seen a lot of craziness with mm -hmm. the left side, and, and I felt like they were going way too far left. No, it's, you know? it's, it's, it's a valid point. Look, I got to grab some yeah. more people. I got more calls well, I got to grab. Larry, I like your show a lot. Thank you, my God friend. God be with you, my friend. Thanks for and calling. You guys. Have yeah, a thanks, good one. Man. Thank thanks for calling. Take care, Larry. Love you, brother. Yes. So, look, this is the passion I'm talking about. Aren't we? I mean, this is politics, obviously, right? But isn't this the same passion we want when it comes, we talked about earlier, was the idea of if you want to move forward in finding what was the phrase you used? Owning the means of your labor. What you, what yeah, you controlling. Uh, you know, controlling the. Uh, you know, controlling your labor. Yeah, controlling you know, the fruits of your labor. Yeah. don't you have to have that same kind of passion that he had? Because isn't the rest of the world? I know we're kind of making a shift, but I, but we're not. It's the passion. No, that's okay. Yeah, about. I think it's a good shift. Right? It, it, isn't isn't the world telling you? Jason, don't do that. That's dangerous. Go get a job. Go get benefits. Go be an hourly employee. Isn't the world telling you that? And for you to make that ship into, no, I, I don't need to do that. Doesn't that take that same passion? No, I think it does. I think I think it, uh, clearly, you know, the last caller was really passionate about what he believed. And, yep. and he was trying to articulate, you know, the rationale behind it. Um, I, I love passion. I, mm -hmm. I just, I want people to, in this case, I want people to be objective about the way they look at it. And, and you know, you, you have to have some facts beyond what you're being told in the media, because he's absolutely right. The media is corrupt. Mm -hmm. The media is, is not uh, is not honest. And so anybody you're going to listen to is going to be trying to manipulate what you think and what you believe right. to, to some end. And so, I mean, in this case, if you want just my opinion on it, is people should be looking at. Um, if, if we were being intellectually honest about this entire thing and we were looking at the left and the right and we we're saying, okay, this guy's looking at being, we're looking at impeaching the president of the United States. Mm -hmm. Well, the first thing is, is he's going to be impeached. They have the votes in the house to do yeah, it, there's okay? being impeached. but he's not going to no go anywhere for after that. The yep, Senate correct. is not going to, is not going to yep. uphold it. And it's going to, so it's largely a waste of time. So the Democrats are going through this process simply for the politics of it, because okay. there's nothing else that's going to happen. Okay. 
if they really wanted to get to the bottom of it, there's nothing wrong with investigating as to whether or not the, the president violated the law and is guilty of a crime. That's completely acceptable. But everything that they're doing right now has nothing to do with that and has everything to do with simply politicizing the president during what they know will be an election year, which is actually technically what they're accusing the president of doing with Joe Biden, which is, you know, going after him, trying to investigate him during while he's running for president in the hopes of destroying his political career. So both of them are guilty of exactly the same thing, which is trying to, uh, you know, trying to manipulate the outcome of a political election uh, and, and to and to destroy a, a particular political party and candidate. So, I mean, if you look at it objectively, it's like, OK, maybe there is some something to it. And during the Russia investigation, my, my position was always the same. It's like, yeah, investigate. Let, let's find out. Like, I have no idea. You haven't shown me anything yet. There's nothing that you've been able to come up with that shows collusion with Russians, but I'm open to seeing whatever it is that you got. It just turns out they got nothing. So what do they do? They move on to something different. And it's the left doing this right now because the left is in the minority and they don't have the presidency. And when Obama was in power, they were doing it. The, the right was doing exactly the same thing. These people are corrupt. They are pawn scum. They are the lowest class of human beings. And we treat them as though they're special. Tell us how you really feel. The, I, 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 have no, I have no issue with this. <laughs> okay. these, people sh these people could not run a lemonade stand outside a construction site in the dead of summer in New York. They'd go bankrupt. These people are absolute abject terrors on society. And yet we look to them as though there's something special. We weigh, oh, who do we want? Do we want Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump? Which one of these two mindless, illegitimate people do we want running the president, running the world? It's just like, stop, stop with this garbage. None of these people are qualified to run anything. So stop looking to them for the answers to your problems. This is my entire point. Uh, it's, it's what I base my life around. It's what I base my show on is that you should be responsible for you. Stop pointing the finger at somebody else. Stop looking to Washington to solve your problems because all they can do is make matters worse. Is your life any way materially better than it was 20 years ago because of some sort of government intervention? The answer is no. Unequivocally no. So why would you continue to do the same thing over and over again, ex expecting a different response? You shouldn't leave it and start focusing on yourself and your own life yeah, because you are hard. the only one who can control it. Yeah, but Jason, what you're asking is super hard. It is a whole lot easier for me to point the finger at somebody else and go, see, they're so bad and not have to look inward. Of course right? it is. Yeah, as, as, you're absolutely right. As I spend a time going, look, I, I, look, Jason, I would get a job, a better job. Jason, I would get educated, but there's kids in cages. Yeah. So I can't do that, right? Look, I mean, there's, there's terrorists. So I, I can't go and start a business. There's terrorists out there. I have, to, I have to right the glorious wrongs and be a martyr is what I have to do so that when I am not successful or don't do what I'm supposed to do, it's because of the greater good. Well, or more to the point, oh, I can't start a business because there are other rich, rich greedy companies that'll, that'll just put me out of business. Mm -hmm. So I can't do it. Until the government comes in 
and takes over and punishes all those rich, greedy corporations. I can't start a business. I can't do it on my own. Or the, the, the flip side to that is, okay, oh, government taxes me to death. Government regulates me to death. I can't start a business because government's always in my way. This is what you hear from the right or from libertarians about, oh, why I can't do whatever mm-hmm. it is I want to do. And what I'm saying is, is like government's not going away and they're not going to change. And so if you trying to put all of your hopes and, and, and prayers and, and, and faith into some sort of political candidate, like they're suddenly going to show up on the scene and change the world for you and make life easy so that you can go out without any risk and without, without any obstacles and, and pursue your dreams, that, that's never going to happen. So stop with that. Just let it go and start focusing on things that you really can change. That, that's, that's my point. All right. I want to, um, I want to grab a couple things from Facebook. Um, I once heard the line, the media used to tell us what happened, and we had to figure out what to think about it. Now they tell us what to think, and we have to figure out what even happened. I think that there's part of that's true. I think somewhat we live in this, uh, there's some some nostalgia about the years past. You know, mm-hmm. everybody looks at the 1950s as like, you know, the greatest generation. And we tr- we, we have a picture of what the 1950s were like. And the reality is, is that it, it wasn't great for a lot of people. You know, there was there was all kinds of really dark, ugly things that happened back then. And I think the media, the media has never been in the business of trying to report facts to you. The media is in the business of making money and they are going to print what sells. Now, the fact is, is that there is a greater cooperation between government and media now than there has ever been. Absolutely. But that is, that is not to suggest that in some way the media was honest and journalism had integrity back then. No, in, but it was know, a different type. Years. And if you, if you go back prior to probably 1980, I'm, I'm, I'm making that as a random, that area somewhere, most of the media was stories written, right? You would, the, the reporters would go out, find some data, come back, write a story, and either read it or put it in print, or that kind of thing. Now it's not that. Now it's, I'm here talking to people. I'm here. It's now, I'm live talking to idiots. Right. That's it. That's the the news now. I'm live talking to idiots. And that's the news part. Now the next part of news becomes, not actually the news, but what people think about the news becomes news now. I think that aspect is correct. That is true. And right? I, I would agree with that. I think it, it, in back in the day, if we're going to make one you know, one distinction, old. yeah, is that <laughs> yes. there was a time when investigative journalism was a thing. Sure. When if it was sensational, uh, if there was corruption, that that, that, was, that that was presented and printed regardless of what political party. Right. right? There, there was a sense that, oh, and we are there, and and our job is to is to hold people accountable, mm-hmm. whether it's corporations, whether it's government. You know, we are uh, the free and independent press. Sure, uh, that that is largely gone. And yeah. what you do have more is, oh, here's what the government said about this, or right. here's what this company said about this. What do you think about that? Yes, not what is that even correct? Nope. Is that honest? How do I feel about it? Yes. No, yeah. Absolutely. So you are absolutely yes. right about that. Um, this is just something saying uh, to you, Jason. Thanks for being on the show, Jason. I've been listening to your podcast since your magazine. Oh, thanks, man. I there appreciate we go. that. Something very nice. That's out of YouTube. So I want to grab a caller. I guess we're going to Indiana. Good. I love when we leave New York. I love New York. New Yorkers, please keep calling. Absolutely. But I do have a call from Indiana. It's Tommy. Tommy, how are you? Hey, Larry. How you doing, buddy? I'm What's doing going great. On, Tommy? Uh, not much, buddy. Um, my question tonight deals with the financial freedom of 
the individual. Okay. Um, I know your guest tonight is a is a big component of building one's own brand. Yeah, he likes building and, brands. He does. That's his thing. And, and and on that same topic, wouldn't you guys agree that it's also beneficial for political candidates and even those that are serving in political office to be available to help people build their own financial brand, whether that be in cryptocurrency, whether that be in gold and silver investment, or whether that be, you know, just in stock market. But wouldn't that be a a common thread that can be used to help people gain that financial freedom and build that brand? I think there's brand? a problem here, though, Tommy, and this is what Jason talked about earlier. You know, what makes some congressperson, what makes some assembly person, what makes some senator – even have a clue about how to do that. Am I, Jason, am I right? No, yeah. Like, like one, one of the things about people in positions of power is that we tend to want them to be, uh, they, we, once we put our faith and trust in them, is we tend to want to go to them for everything. Yeah. So as I said before, don't come to me for legal advice. I have no, don't come to me for marriage advice. I'm like the worst guy in the world you could ask that stuff to. I'm not qualified in any way to give anybody on the planet that kind of advice. Um, I am very skilled in a very narrow subject matter. And so um, I think that if you're going to elect somebody to political office, they have a responsibility to uh, to to fulfill on the the, uh, not necessarily even on the obligations that they committed to, but just whatever their platform was, whatever they told you that they believed. I want them to go to Congress, to go to the the state house, wherever it is that they're at. And I want them to vote that way. I want them to live the values that they claim to have when they got elected. And we don't see that. But I don't think beyond that that they have any obligation to make sure that you're financially literate um, or that you have a savings plan or any of that stuff. Number one, because that's not what they're there to do. And number two, they're not they're likely not qualified for it anyway. I think you want to your point, Jason, I think you want the person to not necessarily teach you, but to be the example. Right. You would I'd like to have a person who is you know, financially savvy. I'd like to have that. Not required, but I like that. I'd like them to care about it. And if they don't are financial savvy, I'd like them to be savvy and to know they're not and to get the right people around them who are. I would like them to do that. I, I would rather, instead of having a person who is, say, financially savvy, I'd rather have someone who's just savvy enough in knowing what they're good at and what they're not good at and realizing that financial matters matter and to find the right people around them to do that. I'm one of those people. My wife deals with all my finances. So, yes, I, I, she, she's a savvy one in our family. So I think even in that regard, you want to find the right people. And it, it bothers me, th- this concept that, oh, don't, don't you feel like that these people should be responsible or be available to help other people with that? It, it's almost as though we're shifting the blame of financial illiteracy to government. When in reality, my whole point is that it's your fault if you're financially illiterate. If you spend more than you make, if you make bad investments, that's on you. That's not because somebody didn't do for you, didn't teach you well. You made a bad choice. And you made a bad decision because you weren't qualified to make that choice and you didn't seek good counsel. So I, I, I always have a big problem was saying, isn't it somebody else's responsibility or don't you believe that somebody else should be helping to do this? My answer to that 99.9% of the time is no, they should not be. You should be responsible and you should seek out qualified advice when you need it in order to make a good decision. Well, isn't that though a cultural issue here, right? And I bring this up often. 
Imagine if you would. I'm assuming, and, and please if I'm wrong here, I'm assuming that when you were a kid, you saw either your mother and or your father go off to work. Yes. Okay. And I'm assuming that your grandfather, grandmother, one of them or both of them went off to work. Yes. Could you imagine if you lived in a household where you had never seen your mother or father go off to work? In fact, you had never seen your grandparents, and they had never seen their parents, meaning your parents seeing their parents, go off to work. That wasn't a thing. They don't go off to work. When no one goes off to work for multiple generations, it becomes very hard for that child to think, I should go off and do something great. Not, not impossible. But that becomes difficult. And you find that in many, you find that heavily since the war on drugs, heavily since the ADA, heavily since 70s, 80s, in black families, probably since the 70s, um, Hispanic families, maybe that, white families more since the 90s. But you find that happening more and more and more where multiple generations of people don't go to work. Isn't that a, mm, a cultural handicap? Without a doubt, I, th- I think it's it's one of the the greatest injustice that government has done to uh, the black community sp- uh, in particular is mm-hmm. is the fact that they they have they legislatively removed fathers from the home because mm-hmm. it was more profitable for them to leave. Yep. So even if he was a good man and he wanted to stay in the home and he wanted to try and support them, he was better off him leaving. And that created a uh, that created a scenario that ended up leading to generations of children growing up um, without a family unit and without that sort of support, and then ultimately uh, babies having babies and people are you know who are who are generation you're, you're talking about generational dependence on government. Yes, and it's very very difficult, like you said, if you're a young man or a young woman and you're being raised in a society where nobody works, everybody's just figured out how to milk the system, mm-hmm. and the only way you can ever hope to have more than what the government scraps will give will give to you is to deal drugs mm-hmm. or, or to be involved in some sort of crime. It, it changes your the, the entire way you view the world yeah. and, and what's possible. And what's worse is that we talked about this a little bit before the show is that what what's worse is that if you get somebody who's got a little bit of ambition and who wants to work hard to bring themselves and pull themselves out of that poverty, oftentimes that society ends up beating them down. Oh yes, and saying why? Oh, well, who do you think you are yeah. to come up? And, and you know what? There's all kinds of stereotypes around that inside the community. It's like. What do you, who are you to think that you could be somebody? Absolutely. You know, this is what, this is the best you're ever going to do. You're a nobody like everybody else is a nobody. You can't get ahead. Yep. And the fact is, is that that's what the politicians preach to them too. And then once you go off, right, you're from Appalachia or you're from the inner city or whatever, Appalachia, I was say it right, people get mad at me. You're from Appalachia or you're from, um, you know, the inner city or insert, insert poor community yeah. here. And you, and you do have some initiative. Well, where are you going to go? Probably drugs. Right. Drug dealers are some of the most, you know, entrepreneurial, you know, initiative people, initiative that there are. They go out there and run businesses, you know, whatever. But now they're, of course, using force and violence because they can't use courts and cops. So they use force and violence. So now you get beat down by the system. Right. Because now you're out there and you're you're selling your drugs and which is your entrepreneurial spirit. You're making some money. Cops come by off the jail. Now you're ruined. Yeah. So I think there are some cultural and it's it's heavily in the black community earlier. But now it's. 
this is now this is race neutral now. It is. I, I think so. This well, is, I mean, I think it is. I, I think it still disproportionately affects no uh, the black community Absolutely. above anybody it, else. It, without it's a, a heavier trunk yeah. if you're brown and black. Yeah, but I'm, I that was not the right term. I shouldn't say um, race neutral. But I'm saying it affects all races. Correct. It That's is. what I would yeah. say. Yeah. But no question, it's it's far worse in black and brown communities. But there are a lot of white communities also. Like it's affecting everybody mm-hmm. now, right? So that now you have it's 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 if I feel like it's a handicap. It's a it, it's not a. It's not a racial problem anymore. It's it's really is a poverty problem. It's, yep. You know, uh, there are too many people who are living in generational poverty, and, and again, it it has everything to do with a bunch of Johnny Do-Gooders in Washington who, for their own political reasons, and because many of them probably wanted to do the right thing. I, I'm not a I, I'm not I'm not so jaded as to believe that everybody in Washington is does everything for self-interest sometimes they they legitimately want to try and make a difference and it also benefits them politically to do it right it's just they don't know what they're doing and they, they shouldn't be making decisions because they they don't they don't recognize or understand the outcomes of it mm-hmm. and then the outcomes of course produce exactly the opposite result that they were hoping for and we get what we have today and what the government needs to do is, and I know you believe this too, is step aside. And they need to they need to allow people to make their own decisions and they need to make people accountable to themselves and say, listen, you're responsible for figuring out how you pay for yourself, how you feed yourself and your family. But the part that Tommy, I think, may be bringing up, but Tommy, if, if you still there, tell me if I'm wrong here, is I feel that a part of what he's saying is there is a responsibility, not responsibility, maybe it's responsibility. There is a, a function that government still does play, which you know many of us aren't happy about, and that is setting the education, right? So if I'm going to spend 12 years of my life in an indoctrinated, you know, state-run school, if I'm never taught civics, I've never taught entrepreneurship, I've never taught finance, that's kind of government's fault, if that makes sense, right? Because they're the ones setting that curriculum. Am I wrong? True. No, they've taken a monopoly position on education. And if if children are, are finishing high school without a basic understanding of, of credit card, interest rate, yep. loans, um, you know, saving and investing, that's on the government. But you have to understand that you should have never given government that authority because they're not going to do those things. It's kind of too late, though, now, isn't it? I, too late in what sense? I mean, Meaning I, I never have think it's, generations upon generations of 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 people who've been raised literally without financial education, without um, I, I remember this is the you, mm-hmm. I don't know I don't remember when you were in the Marine Corps, but I, when I went in the Marine Corps was in the eighties, mm-hmm. right when I went in, and they were just changing over to direct deposit. For those mm-hmm. of you yeah. who don't know, the military used to literally go around with cash and checks, and every month the paymaster would come around and literally give out checks, or you get it in the mail, or they physically hand it to you, or they give you cash. It's how you used to work in, in the military. But when I was in the 80s, it became direct deposit. go directly into your account, and now you're checking accounts. So now all of a sudden, they're giving people checks. And there were a slew of Marines, tons of them, 18, 19 years old, who are now getting checkbooks, who have no idea how to use a checkbook. And the Marine Corps actually punished them for bouncing checks because the guy would call the bank and say, hey, bank, how much money do I have? The bank would say, you have X dollars. Great. Write a check for that. They didn't realize that some checks floated, some checks didn't get, they had no idea how to bounce a checkbook. They would call the bank how much money and write a check. And boom, now they're, now they're literally in trouble getting, uh, you know, NJP, Article 15, punishment for that. Because the literacy, and this is in the 80s already, financial literacy was non-existent. And most of these kids had high school diplomas. Not all, but most did. And the majority had no idea how to balance a checkbook. Yeah. 
And I, I mean, my 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 whole point is that it may be it may be too late to change society as a whole. Maybe may too late to hope that government will somehow so all of a sudden start doing the right thing, or that we'll be able to take the reins back and run our own education system. That may it may, may be too late for that. And people don't realize how young that is. Like it was mm-hmm. the '70s when they did that. Yep. It, up until then, we didn't have the Department of Education. 1980, right? So when you look at it like that, it, we may be too far gone for that. But you're not too far gone. You can still right. learn how to balance a checkbook. You can still learn how to invest wisely and how to save and good. Fi- I mean, the bookstore is littered with books that will <laughs> teach you how to do it. And, and, and frankly, for everybody listening, let me give you the secret to wealth and prosperity and riches for the rest of your life. It's a two-step process. You'll never have to spend another book, another dime on another personal finance book as long as you as long as you live. You want to know what it is? Tell me. Here's the two things. First thing: spend less than you make. Mm. That's it. No matter where you're at in life, spend less than you make. If you need to get a second job, get a second job. If you need a third job, get a third job. But spend less than you make. Second thing: save and invest what's left in things that you understand. And if you don't understand something. Educate yourself on it. Spend some of that money that you're saving on your education. Those are the two things that no matter what else you do, if you follow those two laws, those two rules, you will be rich at the end of your life. And the problem is, is that people overcomplicate it. They think that there is some sort of special trick to it, and there's not. All you got to do is those two things. It is not complicated. We just don't teach people how to do it anymore. Tommy, that makes sense. Yeah, actually, Larry, you, you hit the nail right on the head with what I was saying. That's how I had a feeling uh, that's where you were going. I, 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 don't, I, I don't feel like that it's the government's responsibility to make sure that everybody's wealthy. What I was saying was, is I'm trying to do in my county commissioner campaign the same thing that you have done, what John McAfee does with cryptocurrency, mm-hmm. is you try to educate people the best you can. Because sure. after all, when it all boils down... You are a public servant when you are elected. Yep. So serve the public and educate them along the way, regardless of whether or not you have a financial degree. Mm-hmm. All right? We all learn at different levels. We all learn at different sure. paces. But if we teach each other, we all benefit. I like that. That's my point. Yeah, no, right that, that's there. that's a fantastic that's a fantastic way to look at it. But I think that that's not reserved to you as a political candidate. I think that's you being neighborly. I think that's I what we do for the for for our friends and our neighbors and, yeah. and the people that we care about. I think both are right. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Thanks, Tommy. I appreciate okay. it, brother. No problem. Bye. I'm a good one. All right, if I can, we're going to go over to Missouri, and we're going to chat with Colin out of Missouri. He wants to talk about voting, and I'm sorry, Colin got upset and hung up. Um, I guess he didn't like you, Tommy. Sorry about that. <laughs> anyway, I love Tommy. It's fine. So I guess you, you went to a spot, though. I know we, we've, we've gone off of entrepreneurism and kind of back on back and forth. You brought up a very important point. You said there are two important laws, right? Spend less than you make and then invest in Things something you understand. You understand. Yeah. How do you come up with that? Well, that, that's it. If you Every personal finance book that, that you read, comes down to those basic principles. Now, they go into a lot of detail on, okay, here's how you save less. Here's okay. how you go through your budget. Here's how you do all the little minutia. But the reality is, any those are the two things. 
And, uh, you know, if you need help with the other stuff, well, then you can go out and you can learn a little bit about it. But I mean, ultimately, what it comes down to is discipline. It comes down to delayed gratification. Uh, and most people have a really hard time with that. They, we, we live in a society now more than at any time in history where we can be instantly satisfied sure if we want something got my uh, phone right here it's going to satisfy me by going on facebook that's right i can I'm order literally i can virtually anything i want i can get on amazon and it can be yep. here in two days I, I don't have to if i want food uber eats will deliver it in 20 or 30 minutes absolutely i don't have to wait anymore for anything and so there is this sense of, of instant gratification and you couple that with um, us always wanting to keep up with the Joneses. We want to be able to show that we're doing as well, if not better than the other people in our group. And, and that ends up hampering our ability to save and invest. Um, and so, so, so hold on now you, you preach this. I, I do. Yeah. So if you preach in this, the worry I have is you have a similar problem that I have, which is when I'm preaching my libertarian party, the Democrats and Republicans, I have a tough time getting past their preconceived notions. I get a tough time getting getting past their habits of just voting red or voting blue. You've got to have the same problem. People just go, "No, I've got to buy the newest iPhone, Jason." Yeah, come on. And no, I've. I, why would I want to delay my gratification when I don't need to anymore, Jay? That you've got to get that. How do you get around that? I am. I'm. I'm in the fortunate position. Where this goes back to influence and and how to influence people is that the best thing that you can do is tell people what they want to hear. Sure. Um, even if you go to the 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 fitness section of the bookstore, we'll go back to the bookstore again. I know there's very few left in America. <laughs> yes. but let's say, imagine yes. that we were in a bookstore okay. and you go to the health and fitness section. There will be an entire section of books on how to lose weight without ever going to the gym. Of course. And then there will be other books that'll be talking about how to lose weight while you still eat all the stuff that you want to eat, but <laughs> the, the special fitness routine, right? Right. People tend to gravitate to what it is that they want. So the greatest amount of influence comes from telling people, agreeing with people and telling people what they want to hear. Sure. Um, and so I always talk to my clients about entering the conversation that people are already having in their heads, finding alignment with them in some way, and then speaking to what they already believe or want to believe. And the fact is, when it, if you've got somebody who doesn't want to save money, who wants to spend, who loves to spend, People and who isn't do. in a mindset where they want to save Feels and invest. Good. It does. There's no, and you know what? There's a large group of people that you are not going to be able to help at this time in their life mm. because they're not ready to receive that information, right? Mm -hmm. It's like if you're a hardcore Democrat and you've never been exposed to libertarian ideas, the idea that I'm going to show up on your doorstep, give you some magic phrase like spend less than you, than you make, save and invest the rest, and suddenly that's going to change your worldview, that's not going to happen. But what I can do is I can try to find common ground like like you've said, like, oh, don't you want things to be fair, mm -hmm. right? That's entering the conversation that somebody's already having and aligning with what they already believe. And most of it is typically much more simplistic than we, than we want to admit as human beings. Most of it is an emotional feeling. Oh, yeah. And if you can tie into that emotion and you can say something like that, don't you, well, don't you want things to be fair? Yeah. Well, yeah, I want oh, things God, to be fair. Yeah, okay, well, perfect. Well, then uh, let me ask you about this. And all of a sudden, because you've aligned, you said, well, I really want people to be things to be fair too and here's why i can't align myself with that because what you're saying makes things unfair and mm -hmm. i want them to be fair um all of a sudden 
even if you don't convert them in that conversation, they at least haven't rejected everything you say out of hand. And the next time we have a conversation, we're going to move them a little bit further and a little bit further. Influence is not something that happens instantly. Mm -hmm. It's something that happens over a period of time because the person that is listening to you begins to know, like, and trust you. Maybe they don't agree right away, but they know, like, and trust. And eventually, if they can get to that stage, the know, like, and trust stage, eventually they want to start to relinquish decision-making and control to you. So once they trust you, they will want you to tell them what to believe. They will like listening to Fox News. Mm -hmm. If they trust Fox News because right. they're quote unquote fair and balanced and, and that's what I believe, I bought into that, then I tune into Fox News to get fair, honest reporting. Now, you and I would look at that and laugh, but to them, that's what they've accepted as truth. And they're willing to accept what they put out on that news station as gospel, as though it's God's truth. Even though we both know it's nothing but manipulation like MSNBC. And so we, if we want to move, it doesn't matter whether you're trying to move people towards a political decision or, or to change parties, or you're trying to get them to save or get to start a business or motivate them to take action in any way. The goal is first to put yourself in a position where you can have influence over them. And to do that, it starts with alignment. It starts with you agreeing in some way, finding that common ground. You're not saying lying here. No, not at all. Not at all. So one of the ways that because that's the worry that I have is that someone's going to hear. So start by lying. Right. Right. And then sneak the truth in behind them. Yeah. No, no, no. It's, so let's look at it like this. Let's take um, climate change, for example. OK, uh, I don't believe in climate. I don't think that man-made climate change is having nearly the effect that people say it is. And I mm -hmm. certainly think that there is much more political uh, much more political activism happening there in order to separate you from your freedom and, and from your money mm -hmm. uh, and to and to push more control to the central government. That's what I legitimately believe. OK, now, when somebody comes to me and they talk, well, what what do you think about climate change? I said, well, I'm not sure about it. Mm -hmm. I, I really I'm not ready to sell my soul and to pay ten dollars a gallon for gas and, and to triple my energy prices. So why do you so, hate polar bears? Yeah. And, and see, that's I don't understand. Yeah, why do you I, hate polar bears. I, I, I don't hate polar, <laughs> don't bears, hate polar bears. But, you know, so th that's the that's a conversation. But what mm -hmm. I would typically say is something along the lines of but but let's for the sake of argument, let me agree with you. Let me agree that all of the things, the sea levels are rising, that the world's getting warmer, that it's going to destroy mankind if we don't do anything about it. Um, I will, I will concede that. Okay. Here's my big problem. Um, do you really think government is the one to do that, to fix the problem? Do you really think that putting the hands in this corrupt government that's controlled by corrupt corporations, that's exactly right. I don't know the answer to that, but I know that that's not the answer. But then so I don't know what die. the right choice is. Possibly, but we're going to die anyway if we turn it over to government. Yeah, but government is, is I mean, the government is the people. I'm is obviously it? teasing you. Yeah, no, but you <laughs> but see, yes. but but most of the time, the, what I, I hear I, often is that I hear, if not government, who you can't trust the corporation, look at BP, look at the Exxon Valdez, yeah. right? And so how can you trust a, a corporation? So obviously the other answer is, is government. You know, I, th I, think it, I think it starts with us. I think it starts with you and I having this conversation and both agreeing that we all want. See, that's the thing is that we all tend to agree on these things. We all want clean water, clean air. We all want our kids to go to good schools and to live in safe neighborhoods and for people to be able to go to the doctor when they're sick and be able to afford the medical treatment that they need. You know, these are all things that everybody agrees on. Where we come to disagreement is on how we achieve those ends. So I 
I don't find it difficult at all on virtually any subject to find alignment with the people that I talk to because I typically want the same things they do. I just disagree with how we come at it. Let's shift if we could a little bit because you brought this up also, the idea of personal branding. And I bring this up because personal branding helps us to influence. It does. Right? It yep. helps us to influence, right? Whether that's in business or in politics, whatever the case may be. The thing that many people don't see is in today's world, it's a whole lot harder to be a movie star as an example, right? It's a whole lot easier though to be a working actor. Does that right. makes any sense, sure. right? Yeah. It's a whole lot harder to be a music superstar, rock star, but a whole lot easier to be a working drummer, right? It's a whole lot easier yeah. to just do that thing, right? So, but but that bigger level is harder. And, and I use the example often of um, uh, who's the woman who went who went to prison? Who's the designer? Um, oh, Martha Stewart. Martha Stewart. Martha yeah. Stewart. Right? Martha Stewart. Martha Stewart is basically an interior designer. She makes at least. A thousand times more than the average interior designer, right? She makes at least a hundred times more than some of the greatest interior designers. Is she actually a hundred times better? Oh, in no way. No. no. She may be better. In some cases, she's probably not better. But is her brand a hundred times better? Absolutely, yes. Without question, Martha Stewart's brand is a hundred times better. But is her skill set? No. It may be better. I don't know. I'm not a designer. I don't know how that works. But it's the way she's a hundred times. But her brand is. Brand helps you to influence. Brand, personal brand now more than anything, actually allows you to be almost that superstar, right? It also makes politicians superstars, but they weren't before. It, it, it does. You bring up Martha Stewart, for example. So wh- the first thing you have to explain or kind of articulate is what's the difference? What is a brand it's, mm-hmm. it, versus, say, a commodity? Mm-hmm. So a commodity is what most people have. Their job, what they do, they're a commodity. They, they, their job will pay a specific amount of money. And if they want to work in the industry, there's a, there's a range th- right. that they're going to get outside of because they can hire somebody else with the same skill set to do that work, Right. right. Um, and you're typically coming to them without prior reputation, which mm-hmm. is difficult. Um, a brand is a unique promise of value. Um, unique being it only comes from you or from what you have. And, and that promise of value can be anything. So Martha Stewart, what is what is it that she sells? Okay, Martha Stewart sells luxury to the middle class. Her entire brand was built around, here's how you have this upscale, luxury kind of life on a middle-class budget. Mm-hmm. And her entire, that, that was who she was. She was, if you were, if, a lot of young people don't remember Martha Stewart back in the day, but she was this perfect woman mm-hmm. who was wonderful and sweet and was, was so classy and so kind and just showed you how to do all of these incredible things. And, and had time to create great crafts. She, yeah, she was the perfect like woman. She was like, and everybody wanted what she had. And she taught you how to have this lifestyle without having the budget for it that was her entire brand and what is that worth it's worth an infinite amount of money um there's nobody else who could be martha stewart she's the only one Mm -hmm. and so what i talked to people about is i said the reason we develop brand and especially in 2019 2020 we have an opportunity like never before to create that brand and it doesn't have to be massive it can be small and still generate you an incredible living um, and multiples beyond what you could make if you didn't have it. And all you want to do is just establish yourself as an authority in some area. So the brand is not a logo. 
No, the brand. No, brand's so not the, a logo. Logo doesn't even matter. Is not a logo. No, the brand is at all a logo at all. Yeah. <laughs> Are we sure it isn't a logo? I'm kidding. Yes, it's I'm a. It, you know, and having a nice logo helps. There's no doubt. <laughs> having having a you know an icon that, that people recognize or associate with your brand is important. Uh, it can be important, but it's not a necessity. Sure. Uh, you know, Rush Limbaugh doesn't have a logo. He's got his name and a mm-hmm. signature, but a lot of people who listen to him for years don't really know what that looks like. It's right. not important. Um, what, what Rush Limbaugh sells, by the way, is a place for people to come and feel smarter than everybody else. That's what he sells. Uh, it's, it's right wing. I'm better than you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so these, when you understand what you're selling to people, you can develop a brand around that. So what I, what I take people through is a process of understanding who they are mm-hmm. first. Like, what do you want to be known for? Because you have a brand, whether you want to admit it or Absolutely. not. Absolutely, uh, You are known for something in mm-hmm. your office, to your, your home, your family. You're known for something. Online nowadays, you're known Online for something. Too, sure. right? So most people have not been deliberate about that. And so the first thing that we do and I work with clients on is let's figure out what you actually want to be known for. Right. Because we're going to need to change some things. So we go through that process. And then we look at, okay, who is it that you're trying to attract? Because we're going to speak to those people specifically. And, and how do we need to communicate that message to them? Once we've done that, then it's a matter of creating content that both defines who you are and your unique promise of value and and speaks directly to the type of people that you want to influence. And uh, it's not a quick process. It's Like I said, influence doesn't happen over sure. But you develop a brand over a period of time. And what happens is once people know you for something, that tends to spiral. And, and it tends to grow. And now once they can kind of put you in a box, as long as it's in the right box, mm-hmm. it, does, it does what you need it to do. It starts to draw people in like a magnet. One of the big problems today is getting, a brand, getting recognized online. Oh, yes. Because everybody's doing everybody's it, right? Everybody's doing it. And the cost of advertising online is going way up. And yep. also all of the uh, – we used to have organic. Like you, you mm-hmm. could put stuff out there and organically it would just kind of go out. Well, people like Facebook and Google figured out that, hey, if we reduce – the organic traffic people have and then people have to pay. Yep. Right. And so the question is, if you don't have a massive budget to, to promote online, how do you in, in an era where you can't market organically, how do you, how do you reach people? Right. And the way you have to do it is you have to become someone who your audience and your, you know, your ideal prospect deliberately and continually seeks out. So the people who are here listening to your show right now, they're deliberately seeking you out. They came deliberately seeking me out. Thank you. Yeah. They're here. They're calling in. They're interested, which means you've created a brand that they want to come to. And they go looking for when's Larry's show coming? Who's he got on the show? Right. They're paying attention to you rather than the other way around. Right. And that's the goal. And that takes deliberate and consistent action on your part. And you got to know what you're doing. But let me go to a different level of personal brand. What if I'm not this podcast guy? What if I'm a guy or a gal in a company. I'm in a, I'm just in a business, right? I'm trying to be the entrepreneur you talk sure. about, right? I'm just trying to make my life better. I'm trying to show value to my boss that I don't have to be micromanaged, that I can what you you say, "Larry, take care of that." And I go, "Gotcha, boss." And you know it's taken care of. And I come back a week later, "Here, boss, see taken care of just the way you like it." How do I build my personal brand in that world? Or is it the same. You, you actually, it actually is the same. It doesn't really matter where you're building the brand. You, you are going to be, 
I talk about it online like building a caricature of yourself. So again, you you said it's not lying, and, and it's absolutely not. That's not what we're doing. If you if you if, if your audience is familiar with a caricature, you go there and it's like it's a cartoon version of who you right. are, and they turn it around and you see, oh, you got the big forehead or the big ears. They've accentuated some aspect of your body, and you're like, oh, that's me. It's just a funny, entertaining version of me. Well, we do the same thing when we show people who we are, is we decide what aspects of our personality, what aspects of our beliefs that we want to accentuate, and which parts do we not. Uh, and, and that's not, it, it's just, it's what everybody does all the time. It's just most people aren't deliberate about it. So if you're trying to get a raise, or you're trying to have uh, better relationships with your coworkers, or be a better leader for your team, it's the same thing. It's like, how do I communicate who I am and what I need to get done in a way that gets people to want to do it for me. It's funny. I talk about this all the time now. I do leadership classes constantly. It's one of the things I teach um, here in New York City for for the city, for other companies. And I bring up the idea that this is actually a world where it's it's post-industrial, right? That leadership prior to this in the industrial age was much more about process and resources and making sure each cog fit perfectly in each you know piece. And that was what we really worried about. And now just make go faster, make yep. go faster, go faster, go faster. But today it's more about leadership, which means I don't need your arms and legs as much as I used to. I still need them, but I need your initiative and your brain more. I need your experience and your judgment more than I've ever needed it. So I've got to get you to want to do it, to get that, right? If I want to get your brain at, at its maximum, your experience, your intellect, everything to the best of my ability, you've got to want to do it. So leadership is no longer about just how accurate is my communication, but it's the result, right? Yes. What am I getting? Am I getting that, that I, what I want from my juniors and my peers and even my seniors, right? Am, am I training my seniors effectively to give me what I want and what I need to make this thing, whatever I'm doing, work? I think it's leadership is not about process. It's all about communication. You're exactly right. It's, ne- it's almost never about money. This yep. is what people, a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of business owners, CEOs don't understand that very rarely are the people who work for you motivated primarily by money. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, most of the entrepreneurs are like that. That's what they're, they're looking at bottom line. That That's the way they're keeping score is like, did we make more this quarter, this mm-hmm. month than last month or last quarter? Your employees don't think that way. And the people who work for you, if you work at a company, don't think that way. And what you've got to do is find out what it is that does motivate them right. and, and work and work on that piece of it. And more importantly, how you communicate their value to them is of critical importance. And it's, there is not a – what a lot of people want is they want like, oh, here's the formula – of what it needs to be, and it, it doesn't work that way. It right. depends on the dynamic of the team. It depends on the corporate culture, sure. what's been established there. You've got to learn to work within some of the confines that are established for you as as the employee or as the team leader in that team in, in that company. And so, but, but you've but, always got to remember that you know mediocre leaders are affected by their environment. Superior leaders affect their environment. That uh, I would agree with that. Right. Yeah. So yeah. even though the environment may be negative or bad in any given case. A good leader will then shift it a bit. You're not you're usually not going to change unless you unless you're the owner and you bought the company. But unless that's the case, as general rule, you can shift the environment, and make it better or at least less bad. In your you little piece of it, you can. You can, yeah. right? You can always make things a little bit better in your world. Yeah. And the other piece is when you're dealing with a lot of juniors, you know, sometimes just trying makes them respect you, mm-hmm. even if you hit your head against the wall, right? Jason's my boss and he's a jerk, and I ask him for help and he doesn't help us. 
but all my juniors saw me go to you and ask for help and try to do. They go, look, Larry, he stood up for us. He's fighting for us. Yeah. He's fighting for us. And that's and you find that a lot of times, like I want to say, you can't. There's some things that you can't that you're limited by. Mm-hmm. You know, if if the if the boss man's bringing it down on you, that you we need to get this stuff done. You need to push your team. We got to get this stuff out the door. We need you guys to stay late. All of that kind of stuff that wears a team down yeah. over time, right? So this is what has to be done. This is what's being directed from on high to you. You don't get to control that, but what you can control is the way you respond and the yes. way you work with that team in order to bring them together to accomplish that mission. And sometimes it's it's a matter of misery loves company. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's a matter of, listen, guys, I know this sucks. I'm going to be here with you until it's done. Um, and yeah, I... I fought for us. This is the best I could do for us. So now we just got to get it done. And we, we're going to be proud of this when we're done with it. And yeah, everybody's going to bitch, moan, and complain. And that's that's just part of what we do. But I think that you have to become that leader and be able to communicate with them um, and and show them through example that this is what we do and this is what has to get done. And that ultimately is what, that ultimately is what makes a good leader, is somebody who's Absolutely. willing to step into the breach yeah. and say, I'm going to lead, not not demand. Well, let me ask. Look, we're running short on time. Please tell tell the the viewers, listeners, where can they get more about you? Uh, well, you go to jasonstapleton.com if you want to. If you want to see, I did a video series not long ago on influence and and how I uh, how I started my first company and and basically how I built my I built several brands in the last ten years or so. And so uh, more from Jason.com, more from Jason.com, and that'll take you to that video series. It's free, uh, and you can just watch it. There we go. And uh, yeah, uh, thank you for having me on the show. Of course. No, guys, if you want to support me, please head on over to Patreon.com slash Sharpway. Give what you can give so we can keep giving you this great stuff. I want to say thank you so much for coming this evening. Jason, thank you for joining us. Thank you, man. Appreciate Appreciate it. it. Absolutely. I will see you guys next week here on the Sharpway.